Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's episode four of Imposter Syndrome, a golf podcast. We're talking all things golf here on the show. I'm your host, Todd Howe, and as always, it's a pleasure to welcome my co-host, the one, the only, Mr. Sean Fagan. How are you, brother man? Other than Chipotle pissing me off and going to a gas station where I was refused three PSI of free air, I'm great. <laughs> You've had quite the day. Yeah. Had quite the day. Mondays can be a little hit or miss. This one was a big hit. Long day today. And hot off the back of my Niners taking down your lions ah, the lions lost yeah it was it was looking good for a minute i will say it doesn't feel like the same old lions team you know which is nice to have a professional football team uh you know that barry sanders can proudly represent so i'm happy for that yeah and the chiefs would you call that an upset over the ravens i mean i thought the ravens were going all the way this year yeah, I, I thought uh, Lamar was going to take it. It looked like he was unstoppable. At the end of the day, you know, you get to these moments and I think these guys get really tight and you see that at every level of sport where there's something legacy defining on the line. It's very rare you'll see a player not get tense in those moments. You know, I had the privilege of watching Tom Brady and Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan for all these years, you know, kind of as a kid. And even like when LeBron was starting to become, you know, oh, is he going to be the next Jordan? We saw him fail multiple times prior to finally making it. Uh, Giannis Atenequempo failed a couple times before he won his first title. Um, you know, Mahomes just had the poise. And I feel like the older I get, the more and more important, especially in today's NFL, where the quarterback has to do two things better than than his opponent. He needs to be super confident and poised, and he needs to be smart. And if you can drag your men to victory, you're going to be one of the greats. And that's what I've always been saying about Brock Purdy. I feel like he has that leadership quality that everyone kind of says, oh, he's not that good. I mean, you know, he put down some huge plays at the end of that game, kept them in it. They were getting smoked. He stayed calm, righted the ship. The team rallied around him, and it really is incredible what momentum does. It was a monumental comeback by the 49ers. Yeah, once they smelled blood in the water. Yeah. Um, uh, look, I, w I will say this. Watching your own team in the playoffs is probably the most stressful thing that you could do. <laughs> Try being a Red Sox fan in the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm going to be a mess in two weeks when it comes Super Bowl time. I'm rooting for the Niners. I want to see Taylor Swift cry. I'll be happy if she cries. Um, what's that hat? You've got a Bob, you've got a, uh, a Bob Vokey design hat going on. What's the story? One, I think it actually fits me unlike most of the hats I wear, right? And everyone will probably start noticing this as it goes forward. Some of the hats just do not fit my head, is what it is. This one actually does. But fun story about this. So, Vokey created a um, a tour van option, like this blank uh, flanged wedge back, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. It might have been. I was a kid at that point. And they were for lefties. You had no bounce options at a lefty, no grind options. It was just basically blank tour uh, wedges. And I had my initials on them. So I ordered them. They were like 180 bucks each, you know, which is way too much money for me at that time. And I just wrote in the comments, thanks so much for doing this. This is so exciting. I got um, my wedges in the mail a couple weeks later with a handwritten um, Sharpie letter from Bob Vokey himself saying, 
Sean, thank you for the kind words. Believe that anything you do is possible. And signed BV, and he sent me this hat. He sent me some Pro V1s, and I got the wedges as well. I just thought that was a really cool touch. That's a good score. It was. I wish I had the letter still. Yeah. I mean, I don't use Vokey anymore, but uh, man, they make some damn good wedges. Uh, we got a little PSA. If you're loving the show so far, we need your help to continue to grow. Uh, how does that happen? Well, it's as simple as rating us on the podcast app you use to listen, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even iHeart. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, please make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and the app formerly known as Twitter. And if you want to be one of the first non-porn bot accounts to follow us on X, then give us a follow. <laughs> they just keep coming, man. They just keep <laughs> They sure do in more ways than one. Coming up on this week's episode, the week has come. Feel like Rory for a day round is upon us. Uh, we're filming it this week. Uh, we're actually filming it in two days' time. Looking forward to that. More later on that. Um, big news just announced this morning. Tyrrell Hatton going to live for 50 million bucks. Might be 60. Might be 60. Uh, what's 10 million between friends, hey? What does this mean for the PGA Tour and the state of professional golf? We'll see. We'll talk about it. Latest PGA Tour info, including the Farmers, including the LPGA, including Lev. We've got a great mailbag today, dude. Really good mailbag. Excited. Folks have been leaving their questions. We've got new equipment updates hot off last week's PGA show. And we've got a special segment today where we are sharing what we think are our top 10 golfing experiences in Los Angeles. The Feel Like Rory McElroy for a day round is here. We got one more sleep until the Feel Like Rory day uh, at Los Robles Greens, a.k.a. The Goblin. We have a second group joining us. They won't be on camera, but we thought it'd be nice to have another group out and uh, see how they perform as well uh, at 5,600. We get a call today from Henry, Pinecone member and really good friend. And he says, uh, we've got a fourth joining us. And his name is Rory McElroy. Get out of M- here. M-C-E-L-R-O-Y. Just joined Pinecone. Amazing. So we have a Rory McElroy in the club, and we have a Rory McElroy on the feel like Rory McElroy for a day round. This is just, this just keeps on getting better. How serendipitous is that? I'm excited um, to see what Rory McElroy shoots that day. Don't worry. We'll be getting how Rory feels like Rory, or if Rory feels like Rory. We'll see. We'll see. With how I'm hitting the ball, um, this could be a pretty tough look for me. Um, I'm playing so terrible, but hopefully the shorter course and a couple days off to, uh, you know, lick my wounds from rustic over the weekend, uh, will help me out a little bit. I've done a bit of research here, right? The average greens in regulation for the PGA tour for last season from 175 to 200, the average is 54.9%. From 150 to 175, the average, it goes up to 63.96. 125 to 150, it's 69.34. From 100 to 125 yards, 75.35. 
from can you hear that dog barking i can this is we're live okay <laughs> that dog's gonna be an ex dog if it doesn't shut up uh 75 to 100 it goes up to 78.74 and uh inside 75 is 87.89 percent how about that tour players miss the green inside 75 yards 13 percent of the time I've looked at the course. For me, there's probably nine truly advantageous holes that I think will will really help us. Mm-hmm. They're averaging 38 yards shorter, which is around about three to four clubs, right? Yeah, three clubs. Yeah. So that's nine holes plus five par threes that we've got. The par threes on average are 27 yards shorter than they are from the tips. It's helpful. Um, that's two to three. Uh, and then four holes, which are probably going to be or require a little bit more strategy. You know, those holes uh, being holes four, five, nine, and 18. Yeah, nine and 18 are interesting. Yeah. So the big question is, are we going to uh, risk reward it? I think we're, we're going to be aggressive though, right? We're going to be very aggressive. Yeah. What, what are yeah. you hitting on I nine? Mean, look, on nine, I'm going to be trying to drive the green. Of course. I mean, yeah. there's nowhere yeah. else to land it. Yeah, and if I end up short, then uh, I'll be in I'll be in the bunker, and I'll deal with it. Do we take any mulligans that aren't on camera? Uh, T B. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the weekly recap, dude. Big big news: Anthony Kim is making a comeback. He's in talks with PGA and Liv. Um, he hasn't played on tour for 12 years. I mean, the AK story is becoming one of golf's great mysteries and myths. Um, he was only the fifth player at the time to win three times on the PGA Tour before the age of 25. Most people would remember his lights out final round of 65 at the 2010 uh, Masters tournament. 11 birdies, tournament record in that round, I believe. It was just one hell of a performance from Anthony Kim. Weirdly enough, my swing coach, Kevin Scheller, I believe was on the bag for Anthony Kim that day. No way. Yes way. Yes way. He only played four years on tour. The last two plagued by injuries. He had two top 10 finishes in 26 starts in 2011. He only made two cuts in 10 starts in 2012. And then, you know, like that, he's gone. Um, walking away from the sport, having taken a $20 million insurance payout, supposedly with a clause in there that if he played professional golf again, he'd have to pay it back. And now he's back. Look, is the myth of Anthony Kim greater than the man himself? I mean, it's a lot of pressure if he comes back just straight up, right? Like I've had some conversations with two people that had a little bit of Anthony Kim connection. One of them from the Korean media, my friend Q who has followed him since he was a kid. And I mean, they still very strongly believe in the Korean media that Anthony Kim is the monster ready to come out. Um, Also, you know, Tom Kim is kind of who they've looked at, but they're still waiting and hoping for Anthony Kim. And I recently played with Q about a month ago and he was still very bullish. He's like, I know his family. I know the legions of fans all rooting for him and excited for him. I've worked with a lot of Korean younger players who all idolize Anthony Kim. 
And I know of a personal friend of his who I've not ever asked directly any information about it, but all I know is before this all came out, I was starting to hear his name and saying like, hey, his swing looks like money. And only recently it's popped up on Instagram. Uh, one person posted it and then everybody posted it. I think it was yeah. posted on Monday Q info, uh, Monday qualifier info page. And it went like wildfire. It still looks great. Yeah. He still looks like he's got speed. His hair's a little longer. I don't want to comment on anything that has been going on in his life. It just seems like he had something going on that he wasn't able to to really focus and get back into. And if whatever challenges he's gone through at 38 now, you know, same age as yeah. me, like I'm sure he's got a clearer mind, especially if he's coming back into the fray. And then, you know, the insurance payment is going to be covered by either Live or the PGA Tour because they both understand that, hey, we need this guy back. The challenge is the fact that if he goes to the PGA Tour, which I don't expect him to go to the PGA Tour, it's either going to have to have, you know, a bunch of exemptions, right? And then give a chance and appearance fees to like make it back because if he doesn't gain enough points, he won't retain his card. You can only give out so many exemptions. So that's why Liv is obvious, right? Like Liv gives 60 million bucks yeah. to Terrell Hatton. If they go from John Rahm to Tyrrell Hatton to Anthony Kim, right? And you already have DJ, you got Bryson, you got Patrick Reed. Yeah, you have Louis Oosthuizen, like all of a sudden, you know, Cam Smith, like all of a sudden they have a very compelling watch. And Kim is kind of like Rom was the one who flipped the balance of power in golf. In my opinion, he's the great, great player of his generation. Now that Liv is rele relevant because they have the best player of the generation. And then you throw Anthony Kim as a chaser, like people are going to watch that. Absolutely. Look, I want to talk a little bit more about Liv in a minute. Yeah. Um, look, Liv, Liv's the obvious choice for Anthony Kim. 100%. It's easier golf. It's an easier schedule. Hell of a lot more money in it for him up front um, if he does choose a deal. And look, wherever he ends up, golf needs it right now because uh, it's, it's just deteriorating. If he goes to, let's say, the PGA Tour and he doesn't earn points, then he's gone because it's a meritocracy. However you want to you know, take that, it's a meritocracy and you have to play well to maintain your status. With Liv, I mean, if he's not playing well, who cares? It's a sideshow. He attracts eyeballs. He becomes a cultural icon in golf. Again, brings in you know, another crowd, hopefully, like a more you know, exciting, youthful energy to it. Um, but like if he plays badly, he'll wash out in a couple of years and everyone would be like, oh, well, the Anthony Kim, that was so much fun to make a comeback. Who knows what it ends up? I think it's good. You want all of the best players to play. At the end of the day, that's what it should all be focused on. Absolutely. On to the PGA Tour. Matthew Pavon wins the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. It wasn't without its last-minute excitement. He's leading Nikolai Hoygaard by two shots heading down the final hole. Leaves his drive in the left bunker, has to lay up from the lip of the bunker uh, and pulls his his layup left into the rough. Uh, meanwhile, Hoygaard's on in two. Pavon's got 155 yards to a tucked front left pin over water from three-inch rough, and he's going for it. And all I'm thinking was... Oh, my God, this is going to be Jean Valleveld at Carnoustie all over again. But he hits it to seven and a half feet and then makes the clutch birdie to win. 
But with the exception of that final hole, it was pretty boring golf. Uh, it was lacking all the big names. It was just phone it in PGA Tour tournament. It, it really goes to show you that watching golf on TV for the vast majority of people is like watching uh, paint dry or flies fornicating, right? Uh, to use yeah. something my dad <laughs> said for a long time. Um, <laughs> it's It can be very slow moving and without a real compelling environment because since it's on the ocean, you're like, oh, wow, it's so beautiful. And the light is beautiful down in La Jolla and all that. But, you know, the course doesn't, it just doesn't speak to you on TV. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Tori, like I said last week on the pod for a couple different reasons. Uh, but they are really dependent on star players, you know, and what's, what's tough. Like I love the idea of the farmer's invitational that's played on Sunday, you know, shout out to Billy Horschel and my friend, Doug Smith, who are on the broadcast and, you know, uh, for the APGA and like, they're inviting all these players. What's so crazy is like all the players that played in the farmer's invitational are way better than pretty much anyone, you know, playing golf and these guys can't shoot par at that golf course. And the tour players from 7,800 yards are just making birdies every single hole. And it just shows you how much of an advantage you have when you're in and out on the tour, right? Like, I mean, mm. these guys go from one city to another. All they do is play golf and work on their golf swing. And they are so unique uh, athletically in order to pull this stuff off week after week compared to anyone else who doesn't have the funding to play week in, week out all over the world. But at the same time, like it's hard to televise when a bunch of people are shooting badly. And it's also difficult to televise when you don't have anyone that most, you know, fans are, are not necessarily rooting for or know, you know, Matthew Pavone finally wins on the PGA tour. He's been around forever. Like, France needs a winner on the PGA Tour. They get it. They finally have a winner on the PGA Tour. Like, that's a big moment. But watching the broadcast, it didn't feel like anyone was – like, even Jim Nance was kind of just like, and, oh, he hit the green. Oh, my gosh, what a shot. It's like, come on, man. Like, you're better than this. I know you're, like, focused on the Masters and focused on, you know, calling the the, the Chiefs game the next day. But, like, it does lack some of the – pomp and circumstance that CBS is usually really good at. And they just didn't really have it this week. It kind of felt like a bye week for them. Yeah, it really did feel like a bye week. I mean, look, unlike this week coming up at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, mm. you, you know, Rory's back, JT, Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, Jason Day, tons of others are back at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. It feels like that will be a tournament to actually watch. You know, proof will be in the pudding, but uh, – Pavon's farmer's win overshadowed a little bit by Tyrrell Hatton's move to live. But there's obviously a bigger discussion here, right? Rahm's gone. Moronk went last week. Now Hatton's gone. Liv is not only continuing to sign more players, but they're signing, and this is my opinion, they're signing or have signed the majority of what I would consider to be the more charismatic players uh, and dynamic players that were on the tour. Kepka. Bryson, DJ, Ram, Cam Smith, Bubba with his wild cuts. Even the next rung of players who have left left for live, like um, Joaquin Neiman, Abe Anser, Carlos Ortiz, Taylor Gooch. I mean, the PGA Tour was way more exciting when all of these players were 
under one roof. And I think it's safe to say that now the best players in the world are with Liv. I would say that. They have the upper hand. And But I don't think either tour can successfully exist uh, separately from each other. And, you know, no one's watching Liv. No one's watching the PGA Tour. Well, more people are watching the PGA Tour than Liv, but you know what I mean. It's just one big shit mess. And, you know, I think that even the players have lost sight or are unaware of kind of how close pro golf is to losing a lot more fans. Um, And I think if the players don't get it, um, that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons why most of the Liv's players are more charismatic than some of the PGA Tour players is most of them have won on the PGA Tour. And when you win on the PGA Tour, you become more charismatic because your voice matters and people listen. And if you can win on the PGA Tour, you already have a certain amount of confidence and swagger and ego that makes you more interesting, right? So I do think that's a little bit of a part of it. Um, I think this week at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, the, the ratings are going to be high. And I think it's going to be awesome to watch because Pebble, unlike Tory, despite also being on the same ocean, one, there's a pomp and circumstance around it. Two, I think because it's a signature event, they're going to advertise the crap out of this. Jim Nance is going to be on his A game, right? He's in his backyard. He's going to be going nuts. And, uh, you know, you're going to have a great winner again, I would think. I mean, Pebble separates fields pretty good sometimes and you'll have a random winner once in a while uh shout out Vaughn taylor right but i do think that this is an event that's gonna they have to put their eggs in this basket right and i think it's gonna play really well it's gonna be a compelling tournament but i mean look at the end of the day the tour players don't have any idea what the common fans thinking they're all out for themselves and yeah i don't blame them but it sucks for the viewer. It really does. Uh, I mean, who's who would have to go for you to think, well, the PGA Tour is like really on the back foot now? Oh, well, I mean, if Rory goes to live, which I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, um, it's over, right? John Rahm basically took the PGA Tour's, you know, cookies almost immediately. And, you know, they still are holding strong pretty good, but when the best player of his generation goes to live, like the cameras have no choice but to follow live. And the PGA Tour needs to do something. And you have all this private equity money, $3 billion, maybe more, that's going to invest in the PGA mm-hmm. Tour in this, you know, unified, um, you know, company or whatever the hell they want to call it, this merger or whatever. They have no choice because at the end of the day, all of the TV money that is waiting for them is waiting for a compelling product where the best players all play against each other. And that's going to happen. Like there's no way around it anymore. Everyone's hands have been forced. And, you know, I think it's still going to be a good year on the PGA Tour, but you're going to see more Tyrrell Hatton-esque players leave because Tyrrell Hatton, I mean... I don't know what his career earnings are. I bet it's a little less than $50 million. So he just doubled his career earnings plus some guaranteed, literally. And he's, you know, not the not a new player, right? So it's yeah. a no-brainer for him. And all of the guys who decided not to take the live money are going to be kicking themselves. Hideki Matsuyama, like, must be so upset because I don't know what they offered him, but it was hundreds of millions of dollars. And he's going to end up playing against all these guys two years from now. He got totally duped. Um, LPGA Tour, 
world number two, Nellie Corder defeated Lydia Ko in a sudden death playoff. Nellie's leading. She's dropping a couple of shots to fall three behind. Lydia Ko with a few holes to play. Then Nellie Eagle 17. Uh, and then a tap in birdie on 18 to force a playoff. Um, Lydia Ko, three putting to lose it. That's golf, but that was just pretty damn hard to watch. Uh, you got to feel for her because uh, she was rock solid all day. Nellie was up and down, but, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles in this sport. She'll be fine. <laughs> the great players are always okay. The great players have the most second place finishes of anyone else. Well, if Lydia did win this weekend, it would have been uh, into the Hall of Fame, uh, the LPGA Hall of Fame for her. She would have been joining Annika Sorenstam, Kari Webb, Imbi Park, and a, a load of other uh, hugely talented champions. LPGA Hall of Fame does not include Dame Laura Davies um, because apparently she doesn't qualify. Look, she's in the World Golf Hall of Fame. I guess that's all that matters. I right? think that's better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look up Dame Laura Davies' stats. I mean, she won 20 <laughs> times on the PGA she's Tour, the 45 best. wins in uh, on the European Ladies Tour. She's had 87 professional wins and she's won four majors, but she doesn't qualify for the LPGA Hall of Fame. I, you know, go figure. Go figure. Yeah, I think she's okay. I think she'll she'll handle it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. She'll still be uh, teeing it up on the grass. Yeah, no doubt. Something far more exciting now. We're moving to a different segment. This is a this is a special segment we're doing. Uh, it's our top ten Los Angeles golfing experiences or things in our beloved city of angels that are golf related and that are hugely fun. Um, look, I'm going to start first up, I'm going to go with Roosevelt golf course. It's a short nine hole Muni, uh, located in Griffith park, um, a couple of miles from downtown. It's fun. It's undulated. Um, it has some of the best vistas of, uh, the Los Angeles downtown skyline that you could uh, possibly imagine. And it just makes for great twilight golf in uh, the summer and, uh, late spring and early fall. It's always fun. So that's number one. Wait, what you got, Sean? Um, the first one I'm going to say is it's mini golf. There's a place called Castle Park in Sherman Oaks. It's been around for a long time. From what I understand, there's an arcade there. Lighted mini golf, great first date spot, great skins game, You know, great mini golf in LA. There's not much of it, to be honest with you. This is pretty fun and it's an old staple of LA and it's worth everyone going at least once. You might not want to go a second time, but it's absolutely worth going and um, just have a blast. There's some pretty cool holes, some cool hole design. There's some bridges and things like that. The greens roll really quick too. So grab your Scotty Cameron and head over to uh, to Castle Park in Sherman Oaks. My number two, well, let's go. This is number three, the LA City Championships. I enter this tournament every year. Uh, it's held at Wilson and Harding Golf Courses, two munis uh, designed by George C. Thomas. It's a four-day tournament, two days with a cut. And uh, every year I, I love heading out there to uh, see if I can actually put two rounds together and, and qualify for the weekend. I haven't done it yet. And I'm back this year. It's cool too because like, yeah, those courses, so much can go wrong that like anyone's in it. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun. Like it's the only experience every year where you feel like you're actually, you know, you're playing a four-day tournament. Yeah. 
Uh, and as a as a three B, I would say the Pasadena City Championship also highly competitive. Also, a lot of variance in that to to tie off on the LA City Championships. Um, number four is going to be going to the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. Now, Riviera, uh, and this is coming up actually in a couple weeks now, but Riviera might be one of the, if not the most spectator-friendly golf courses for all ages, kids, senior citizens who really can't walk up hills and stairs and things like that. Once you get into Riviera, it is laid out perfectly. You're super close to every tee box and every green. There's no obstructed views, unlike what we had at the U.S. Open here at L.A. North last summer. Amazing food. Definitely get the lobster roll at the back of uh, 13 and 14 uh, in the food court area. It's a little expensive, totally worth it. And uh, all in all, it's just a wonderful event to be a part of, hosted by the TGR Foundation um, and obviously Genesis. Uh, it's one of the best. My favorite is always to try and go during either a practice round or on Thursday. And I'll just sit at the range and watch some of these guys hit the highest apexes you'll see and you get pretty close to them. And it's amazing uh, how small that driving range is where they literally can't hit like actual golf balls beyond a certain point because there's just not enough room, but uh, amazing viewer experience altogether. All right. Look, number five is Weddington par three. Weddington is located on Ventura Boulevard and Whitsett here in the San Fernando Valley. It was the course that I actually jumped back on when I picked up a golf club again after 18 years of not playing golf. Unfortunately, it's closing on the 4th of April this year. It's been bought by uh, one of the local well-to-do high schools that are going to demolish it and put up a sporting complex. Hopefully, we'll be able to work out some kind of farewell to Wennington Day. We've been talking about a little bit, but let's see. Let's see what we can do. All right. Over to you. So Westchester Golf Course is a golf course that I would say has seen some improvements over the last few years. It's right next to the airport in the landing zone at LAX. So when you're out there, planes are landing, planes are taking off. uh, You hear a lot of noise. The weather is tremendous, but the key of this course is you have to play it under the lights every, uh, you know, at least once every month, every two months or so. Me and a group of like 12 players, uh, mostly golf pros, will go out and just play under the lights. And um, there is no better experience than, you know, having a, a beer and just playing golf at night with all your friends. And you, the last, Three or four holes are a truly great test of golf, and uh, the lights go out at 10, so you better finish putting on 18 right at 10 o'clock because they'll shut the lights off on you, but that is easily a top 10 golf experience in LA, and er more people should do it because it it blows my mind how many people leave when the sun goes down. Like The action heats up at night. I haven't done it yet. Yeah, again, you're missing out. My next one, I'm going to go with Metalwood Studios. Um, It's located on... uh Boy, where is it? La Brea. La Brea. I really love what Metalwood is doing in golf with its community and how it's introduced new people to the sport. Um, they have a little shop on La Brea and just pop into the shops. One of the things to do in Los Angeles. Yep. Cool. Uh, 
best of luck with everything coming up for him. Cole Young does an amazing job with scratch golf. He makes some of the most incredible videos where he goes to all these random mom and pop golf shops and buys a bunch of vintage golf clubs, awesome golf clubs, because this guy is a connoisseur of that type, and then goes out and plays with some of them. And it is as good TV in the golf world as anything. And I'm like shocked Golf Channel hasn't paid him to actually make a show for them because the scratch golf episode with nation golf that he goes out to the Palm desert and plays with this illegal faced wedge is one of the funniest things I've ever witnessed on YouTube golf. And it's a hundred percent worth diving into give Cole some, some love. He's does uh he does great work over there and Darren as well. Cole and Darren are doing some great stuff. I love those guys. Darren's, great. Darren's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right, next one for you. Okay, so this will be my last one for the night. I'm going to say if you ever get the privilege of playing Bel Air Country Club, bowling your golf ball down the tunnel after 16 and up to the 17th tee is uh, one of the coolest golf experiences you'll ever have. I know it sounds really strange. There's this long stone tunnel and you have to bowl your golf ball and whoever makes it down the tunnel all the way wins mostly bragging rights. It is one of those golf experiences that you know you've kind of, you know, reached the pinnacle of golf experiences in LA. So if you ever get the chance to play it, you know, you take this that ball that you just hold out for on uh, on 16, you throw it down that tunnel, it goes about 150 yards. You get some weird bounces, you can't throw it too hard, can't throw it too soft. You hope it doesn't get stuck in between the other tunnel at the end of the uh at the, the bottom of the hill there. And that's just one of those moments where you're like, yeah, I'm doing pretty well if you're throwing the ball down the tunnel. I'm still waiting for my invite from you, dude. <laughs> I, I, again, you know, it's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, I've gone with golf courses that you can play for well under $100. We have so many amazing golf courses here that you can play for well under 100 bucks. Rustic Canyon, Goose Creek, Los Robles, Olivas Links, Soul Park, Simi Hills, Los Verdes, you know, and the Long Beach courses too, El Dorado, Navy Destroyer. We have nearly 10 municipal golf courses here. Including Rancho Park Country Club. Don't forget Rancho Park Country, Rancho Club. Park Country Club. Yeah, run by the city. And almost all of these golf courses have been designed by the George C. Thomas or William Bell. But the Muni system is just magnificent here in los angeles no question more courses than you can eat for under 100 bucks all right moving along to equipment 2024 equipment releases a little quieter this week um cobra have a new line of putters announced um so they're worth checking out odyssey released the ai jailbird which i thought was quite interesting might as well anything else coming through true spec last week so we received um, a bunch of uh, more left-handed heads, which is always uh, good for me. And uh, we even got the new Paradigm AI Smoke Iron and the HL Iron, the High Launch Iron. These clubs are really interesting. And I can go on an entire separate podcast about the uh, why I don't really love game improvement golf clubs for a lot of different reasons, but there's always a need for someone to play something that's a little bit unorthodox and, you know, a big old shovel. And I would say these two fit the bill. I actually didn't 
dislike the Paradigm Iron last year. I'm waiting for the new Apex at some point. The Apex, the the bigger one at least, the the player's distance iron. Um, the AI uh, irons are interesting. Uh, the HL one, very interesting. It kind of looks like the old Stealth HL, and now the QI10 HL iron almost looks like a mini hybrid. You know, look, there's a place for these clubs, but for a newer golfer, I actually think you do yourself a disservice putting a club like this in your hand because it just basically gives you positive feedback on the wrong type of golf swing. And, you know, if you're hitting up on a club and adding a bunch of loft, the the shot shouldn't fly at the proper trajectory. Um, It's a big old Band-Aid. And if I'm a newer player, I'm not going to necessarily put myself in blades, but I'm definitely going to start with a player's distance iron because it does reinforce some of the proper patterns to good golf. And we, I can call it good golf because there's no coincidence that at P6, every single tour player is pretty much in the same exact position. Like if you're not in that position, you're going to really limit the effectiveness of your ball striking. And if you want to put a tennis racket down there, go for it. But you're, it's not going to teach you how to play better and how to get better. And I think some of these bigger irons are a little... They're a little strange. Again, there's always going to be a need for something like that, depending on the player and the player could have any sort of issue that not, that doesn't allow them to get into that proper position, but it's not really a player, a a club for a newer player. If anything, it's a player that's ingrained bad habits for so long that you just say, you know what, here, throw this in your hand. It's going to help you get the ball in the air a little bit, maybe go a little farther. Um, you know, that, that those clubs make up a very small percentage of what I sell. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. All right. It's time for the weekly mailbag, uh, where we answer your golf related questions. We've got, uh, a number of people that have left some voicemails for us. We're just going to go right into it. First up is TK. Hey, TK here. Long time listener. First time commenter on the pod. My question is. How do you see the rise of the virtual golf round, for example, at-home simulators and the TGL, affecting the traditional round? Um, I think they're two entirely different things altogether. Golf is analog. Simulator golf is digital. It's a completely different animal altogether. Um, Every lie is perfectly flat. There just is no comparison, but it is golf adjacent. Okay, And if you kind of like golf, but you don't want to be outside for four and a half hours, go play simulator. It's different. The only thing that is similar is the fact that you swing a golf club and you hit a golf ball. That's it. And if it allows for more people to understand what golf is, then great. All right. Moving right along. We have Parker. Hey, Todd and Sean. Uh, This is Parker, longtime listener, first time caller. Hey, my question is what properties make a driver or fairway wood shaft good or better than other driver or fairway wood shafts? Are there certain shafts that dependent on flex and weight are just designed or have better properties than other driver shafts? Or what should the amateur golfer look for when purchasing a shaft? Thanks, guys. Okay, so let's assume all companies make good shafts. It's hard to get away with making bad ones, okay? Number one, if you're getting a free shaft from a manufacturer, it's been bought for 
like, you know, basically it's been reverse bidded. Okay. Like, Hey, who can make me this type of shaft for as low money as possible? Cool. You know, Mitsubishi, we're going to get 130,000 of these shafts for $3 a piece. And we're going to bake them into the price of our product. When you're buying a small batch shaft, it just has much higher quality material. It's a much more consistent material and it will bend more consistently at the end of the day. That's what you end up paying for. But there is no shaft czar, okay? What I mean by that is whether it's a stiff, regular, X-Flex, that has no relevance to any other shaft from a different brand, okay? They get to call it whatever they want. And at the end of the day, a good shaft is one that actually fits your swing. Um, and if you don't get fitted for a shaft and you just buy one off the rack, it's going to be really hard for you to understand if it's going to fit your swing or not. And you need someone who watches people hit golf balls all day to tell you if it's going to be something you can work with or not. You know, they can only make shafts bend so many different ways. They're stiffer in the handle because of the, the diameter. They're softer in the tip because of the diameter. And you can dial in how it moves and bends and breathes throughout the swing. But at the end of the day, the one that fits you best is going to, regardless of the properties, because I think that's a really nebulous word, like you have to get one that fits you properly and times up the club face into the ball the moment your brain is expecting it to. Yeah, I agree with that. And look, you know, I've... I've bought enough shafts and A-beat enough shafts to know that, um, you know, I got to go and get fit. I mean, I'm just, you're really just wasting your money at the end of the day uh, by, not, by not getting fit properly for a driver shaft. It is, without doubt, uh, one of the two most important clubs in the bag. Can, can I elaborate so. on this one more, more thing? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had a client today who was like, Oh, I went on this manufacturer's website and I think this shaft is awesome. And then I paid for their shaft selection tool and they told me to play this shaft. If you are doing that like blind on a two-dimensional screen on your computer and even worse, you're paying for someone to like tell you what shaft you should be playing. I mean, I don't know how to beat you over the head hard enough to be like, don't do that. Like you have to hit them. Like it's that simple. You can have the cheapest, least high quality shaft that's sitting there in a used bin. And if it works for you, it's the best shaft for you. It just is what it is. If you come to a specialized shop like TruSpec where I work, I'm going to have, you know, a hundred shafts on the wall and at least two or three of them are going to make sense. And then we're going to figure out which one gives you the best numbers. But like the idea that you can go online or go on the YouTube and look up, hey, which shaft is best and read something that suggests this shaft is the best one is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So just don't do that. Like save yourself all of the time and effort and money that you're going to spend thinking that shaft's going to work for you when the likelihood is due to how they advertise them, inspect them. You have absolutely no idea what the EI curve is trying to explain to you. And like the advantage I have is just I've seen thousands of players swing different shafts and I know how each one moves, where they move, why they move, how fast they need to be swung to actually move correctly and ultimately optimize the strike. So just don't read anything online. Seriously. I think Tiger Wood said that recently, didn't he? Yeah. He said, he said, don't watch uh, YouTube videos. I mean, he's right. Although you can get good information. You just have to know where to look. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, moving along, we got Johnny here. Hey, Sean and Ace, man. My question is about wedges. How often do I need to replace them? 
And is it worth buying used? Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. I mean, title it says 75 rounds and you have to replace it. I mean, of course, they're going to say that. They want to sell you a new set of wedges every yeah. year. I don't think it's a bad idea, right? If you can afford it. Um, realistically, I think you can get 125 rounds out of a wedge pretty easily. Um, yeah. And buying used wedges with unique bounce and grind options that you aren't super familiar with probably isn't a bad idea just to get a feel for how the turf interacts with. So yeah, experiment with some used wedges and get a feel for how they interact, get a feel for some of the shots you like to hit. And then when you really figure out which bounce and grind profile you like, buy it new. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, I think there's a little bit more to it than that. I mean, we're obviously talking about a serious golfer who might be looking at an OEM wedge. You know, I don't, I don't see any problem if you want to buy a set of mirror wedges and there's a pretty decent looking, you know, not, not hugely used set of mirrors out on eBay and you want to go and buy them, just go and buy them. You can also buy some vintage wedges off eBay if that's what floats your boat. But you just got to be aware that, you know, what comes with, uh, with wedges that have been used more is you're going to get less spin. A wedge is still going to spin pretty good as long as the plating on the face hasn't fallen off. I don't care how old it is. I don't care how beat up the grooves are. They still spin okay. You'd be surprised. Loft is what loft and speed create the spin more than just the grooves. Are you going to lose 10, 15%? Yeah. But, you know, maybe that's how you play. Like it might not be the worst thing in the world. Sometimes spin can hurt you if you're expecting the ball to release and it doesn't. That might not actually help you. So just experiment. Experiment with as many, you know, wedges as you can because you can pick up three or four of them for probably pretty short money at, at a used, you know, uh, shop. So I, I would experiment with them. I would have no trouble myself just buying a set of used wedges off eBay if I wanted to try them out. No doubt. And have low expectations, but you might get surprised. All right. We got one more. Here we go. Hey, Todd and Sean. Awesome podcast, guys. Keep it coming. This is my jam when I drive to work, uh, back to work, and uh, back home. Love it. My question to you guys is, what is your, if you have any, what is your swing thought when hitting a driver? Since you be the only club I personally have issues with, and I'm just trying to see, you know, while sticking to the swing, that I have without changing anything too drastic. Uh, as far as it's all mental, like what's, what's in your head before you hit the ball as you're standing on the tee box? Yeah, look, I don't have any thoughts when I'm standing on the tee box. I'm jealous. Um, you have to just eliminate all mechanical thought. Look at where you want to land the ball. Visualize and execute the shot, and that's all you need to do. If you're having trouble spraying something left and right, then you've obviously got you need to sort that out at the range uh, and figure out where your shot shape is. But when you're on course, you should have a shot shape that is reliable enough that allows you to eliminate any thought whatsoever, um, any mechanical thought at least, and you should be able to pick your target and go for it and forget about the outcome. Yeah, I mean, I just think with a driver, you might as well swing really hard. And, you know, hopefully you've done enough practice to get a general sense of like where the ball's probably going to go. Like for me, it's just make sure the club face doesn't get shut because if the club face is shut for me, I'm, I'm going to have all kinds of trouble all day. 
Also, try and keep your balance. I think that's a really important factor too. And my last tip would be, for me at least, because you're asking us, like I want to feel a pause at the top of my swing so I can sequence correctly. When I get really quick at the top, the club face basically drops inside and delivers closed. And that is a low screaming duck hook that goes Oscar Bravo. So I like a little pause just to make sure my hips start the downswing. If you're a single handicap golfer, you should at least understand your sequence enough that you can repeat that on course. And if you can't, get your ass to the range and get yourself to a point where you can repeat it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that black and white. I got some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Question number one. Would you rather play around in the pouring rain or 30 miles an hour of wind? The rain can be very relaxing. Wind is not relaxing. Wow. Yeah, the rain can take a hike, dude. I mean, give me 35, 30 to 35 miles an hour any day of the week. As long as I'm dry, it's just, I mean, keep your expectations in, you know, in check at 30 to 35 miles an hour. I I love playing shots in the wind, trying stuff. You know, I have no expectation to score well, I guess. It's tough. I went into that round on Sunday excited for the opportunity to play in the wind. And when you don't hit the center of the club face ever for five hours, it's it's really uh, a difficult emotional experience. (laughs) Yeah. I heard you had a bit of a doozy. Oh, my God. I didn't even see you. I didn't see you either. I didn't even know you went out. Yeah, I was first group out. Number two, favorite movie of all time? Happy Gilmore. Are you kidding me? Not the best golf movie of all time. Here's a hot take. Tin Cup is the best golf movie of all time, followed by Caddyshack, followed by Happy Gilmore. But Happy Gilmore is my favorite movie of all time. You've heard it all, folks. Happy Gilmore, Fagan's favorites. I've, I've got more questions. Here we go. If you could play clubs and balls from pre-2000 only, what do you think your handicap would be relative to now? Well, pre-2000, it was pretty close to the same. And I would guess that if you made the clubs harder to hit, we would figure out a way to score about the same. I mean, it's it's very telling when you look at the average handicap over the last 20 years. It's gone up. Like obviously, new players have come in, and but the game, like, every, we're so much smarter on how to play the game, right? You think that like bad players would figure out that all it takes is to break ninety is seventeen bogeys in one par. Um, mm. I think I, if you gave me clubs from like nineteen ninety seven, okay, like my nine seventy five D and like you know some old ass Cleveland TA fives or whatever I was playing at that point, I bet I shoot about the same. I feel like I'm a way better player, but I bet I'd score about the same. I am going to take you up on that offer. Okay, you got some lefties? No, I don't have any lefties, but we'll we'll figure something out. Okay. We're gonna do a maybe we'll do a pre nineteen ninety five. Yeah, we'll do pre nineteen ninety five round. Okay. We'll see if Cole can hook it up. We could use Metalwood's help. Question number four. If you were given an opportunity to caddy on the PGA Tour, would you take it? Obviously, it depends on what player you're talking. What level player? Cantley. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Kidding me? <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, it's not an easy job, but it would be it would be a hell of a two or three year run. Yeah, God, man, those guys walk some miles. Um, question number five: What's a golf course you expected to be great, but was totally underwhelmed by? You can get me in trouble here. No, come on, man. I mean, go there, go there. I'm always pushing you. I'm trying to think. Um, played. I'll be. I'll be straight up with mine. Um, PGA West. Hmm. So overrated. Yeah, I mean, like the desert courses are interesting because you can't hide the fact that you're in this wide open desert, right? And like every place off the golf course looks the same. You get the, the mm. hills, the mountains, you get the, the, you know, the tan colored background in the, in the, in the desert and things like that. It's not even that for me with PGA West. And admittedly, like I'm talking about the Nicholas course specifically. Yeah. Um, I am just not a fan of residential courses for one. And, uh, it was just the most underwhelming residential experience. I can't remember a single hole. Um, because to me, they just all blend into one. And I think not being a fan of Jack Nicholas's designs is probably another thing. Uh, I just think he's way too over the top and trying a little bit too hard with his golf courses. And he's just, just not one of my, one of the course architects that I really admire. Yeah. I mean, anything by Pete Dye, I just do not enjoy at any moment. I think that's a... Mm -hmm. That's an architect that does not get along with me. It's almost like he knows exactly how to get me. And I'm just kind of over it, you know. Uh, but yeah. honestly, again, I've teased it a couple of times. Like, Tory Pines doesn't do it for me. Like, I'd much rather play Sandpiper or, well, yeah. now, I, again, I have to be careful because I have, like, relationships at places that I don't want to screw up by, you know, talking badly about a golf course. I'll just say Tory Pines. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tory's a beatdown. It's just a relentless beatdown. Yeah. Sandpiper is a lot more fun. Way more fun. Fun yeah. golf courses are way more fun. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, we've come to the end of the show. Thank God. We have one more sleep until uh, we feel like Rory McElroy for a day. But that was episode four of Imposter Syndrome. As always, thank you to my co host, Mr. Sean Fagan. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Todd. Please subscribe, leave a review wherever you can. It's worth more than you know to help us grow and get the show out there to reach more people. You can follow us on Instagram at Imposter Golf Pod. You can follow us on YouTube at Imposter Golf Pod. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Encino Golf Lab, N-C-N-O Golf Lab. You can follow Sean Fagan uh, on Instagram, SKF Golf. If you have any questions regarding fitting and building, send us a DM on Instagram at ImpostorGolfPod. But uh, this is the month of January. That's the first four episodes down and dirty. Until next time, folks, stay classy out there in the golf course. We love you. Please come back for more. Peace.